0: Hello and welcome to another episode of our Transformers podcast. This is Sean. And Thomas. And you're listening to Sparkcast.
1: Podcast.
0: All right. To read along the story with us, go to camphortree dot net. And go to the Transformer Scans and Autobots Lightning Strike. You can
2: buy Transformer. You can find
1: Transformer. You can find
3: Transformer.
0: So we got another fun audio adventure for you today. It apparently was a small hardcover, and then it became a audio cassette later through another release. But this is a, I think, UK story, or European story. Okay. okay. So, so, oh, I'm oh, hearing myself. You're... What's going on here?
1: A weird echo that lasted for a second. Okay,
0: that's gone. Anyway, So, this amazing story we have for you today is called Autobot's Lightning Strike, the first in a series of books that were published over somewhere else. The writer of this book is John Grant. He is a British author that created a lot of... Actually, he pretty much wrote all the stories for this collection. So, the next ten books we're going to read in this series are all going to be written by him. And he also did a few other books, such as the Masters of the Universe versions of these books. In addition to that, he is most famous for creating a series called Little Nose, which has many books and was also a series of stories he read on television from 1968 to 1986. And the artists for this book are Michael Collins and Mark Farmer. Now, Michael Collins is a comic book artist and also a writer who worked mainly in the 80s and did a lot of UK comics such as Spider-Man Transformers and Doctor Who and he also has worked on a lot of the US stuff as well. One of his main books is called The Only Good Dalek for BBC Books which was a graphic novel written by a Doctor Who author and a lot more stuff Such as Justice League, Flash, Batman, and all that kind of thing. When he was uh, working from the '80s in the U.S., and the other artist, the other artist Mark Farmer is actually pretty well known. He has actually been nominated for lots of awards, and he's worked on all kinds of things, such as Judge Dredd and a lot of 2000 AD comics. But he's also worked on Animal Man, JLA, Batman, Avengers, Nightwing, Superman, and he's been nominated for. He's actually won two Eagle Awards and one Inkwell Award and has been nominated for an Eisner Award as well. That's all for that. Just a brief summary of some of the writer artists. We'll see if we can see any differences to see if we can spot that there are actually two artists in this book or not. (laughs) In the beginning, probably not beyond the tape, the first two pages of this book, well, other than just Optimus Prime standing with lightning striking behind him, like it, I, there's nothing bad about this art, or nothing really
1: uh, great you, either. You, if so kind of like already ready to move. Concave on. legs. Uh, oh yeah, his legs are kind of curved the wrong direction. Kind of looks like yeah. they're backwards. But oh, okay, everything else looks fine.
0: Does Craig keep leaving and joining again? No, he's there. Okay.
1: There's a sound of like something happening.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, I left and rejoined because it Oh,
0: okay.
1: Oh, okay. It.
0: okay. So Thomas, what do you think of this cover? Well, outside
3: of the concave legs, I mean he does look like he has a beak face. Like his mm-hmm. mouth visor is like coming towards a point in a way that I don't really remember.
0: And also <laughs> when did he get a golden gun? Oh yeah. Maybe that's uh, a variant only available to exclusive countries. No, I'm just making that up. Is this uh the title of this book? Is it like
3: foreshadowing what the Autobots are gonna do instead of having the Decepticons trying to harvest some kind of energy source, the Autobots are really gonna take the lead and they're gonna
0: try to uh, try to harvest lightning instead to finally take down the Decepticons. Oh, that'd be cool. We're getting them more proactive. And then the episode would probably be the Decepticons taking it over. Anyway, just to get an energy.
1: Is there a ladybug inside this book? That's what it looks like. <laughs> <But> Make <I'm laughs> sure it's just the the series. Well, the the publisher's logo or something.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, the difference between Optimus is so apparent on the next page because the first page is actually just heroic Autobot, eat, and the second page is evil Decepticons, and it has six of each with brief descriptions. But the art for Optimus and Megatron is clearly an artist's rendition rendition of just looking at the action figures.
1: A little strange, like the legs are very
0: yeah, because that's tiny how they and they click. I guess that's
1: how they were made. Yes, yeah, so they can just click them together, and yeah, yeah, that's really weird. It's <laughs> oh, a their drawing,
0: their their heads are so tiny. Yeah. And like Optimus's coloring is done wrong, so his mouth faceplate is colored red like his body down there because he's so small to begin with. I'm going to read the first two for the Autobots. If you guys want to follow behind. After that, Optimus Prime is the strongest, largest, and wisest of all Autobots. He is kind to all that lives, including those on Earth. <laughs> when his trailer becomes the command center, He transforms into the trailer cab to lead the Autobots in their fight against the evil Decepticons. Okay. Hound transforms from a four-wheel drive vehicle to the Autobot Scout robot. He is brave and loyal to the Autobot cause and likes the planet Earth. Secretly, Hound would like to be a human! Exclamation mark. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) really? Well, I'm sorry. Space! Exclamation mark. I just can't imagine. Editing is a thing here.
1: I can't imagine Hound as a human. Sorry, but... That was... <laughs> Haven't we heard
0: that before? Is this from Hound's character description?
1: I. Don't... Or is this a different
0: character in another book that had the same same thing?
3: <laughs> uh... They all want to be humans. Sideswipe forms from a racing car to a warrior robot. He and his twin brother, make a powerful team in the never-ending battle against the Decepticons. Huffer transforms from a trap to become the Autobot construction engineer. Although he will mutter and complain, he is a strong and reliable worker.
1: <laughs> All right. Jazz transforms from a racing car to the Autobot special agents uh, sorry, the Autobot special operations agent. He takes on the dangerous missions and is clever and daring. He likes Earth and is always looking to learn more about the planet and its people. Gears transforms from an armored carrier to work as a transport and reconnaissance robot. Like Huffer, he likes to be miserable and find fault in everything. But he has great strength and endurance. He's so small.
0: <laughs> well, and, and why is this again? Of all the characters you can pick, you have six Autobots. You pick Huffer and Gears for this story. But anyway, let's see if they also describe the Decepticons. Well, Megatron, leader of the Decepticons, is ruthless and cunning. He transforms from a gun to lead the Decepticons in their fight against the Autobots. Soundwave transforms from a cassette recorder to a Decepticon communicator robot and acts as a radio link for the other Decepticons. He is able to read minds and will use blackmail for his own gain. Soundwave is despised by all, in bold, other Decepticons. Um, Yeah, that's definitely from his character sheet on the figure that they did not end up using for the actual animated series. That they actually didn't like him as well? Where they say he's despised by everyone and he blackmails people. None of that was ever actually used in the cartoons.
3: Laserbeak is cowardly and will run for safety if he is threatened. He can fly at speeds of up to 250 miles per hour and transform from a spy cassette to the Decepticon interrogation robot. (laughs) He's never done that before. Mm -hmm. Starscream transforms from a plane to the Decepticon air commander robot. He can fly faster than any of the Decepticons and seeks to replace Megatron as leader. Starscream is ruthless and cruel and smart. <laughs> okay, ask <laughs> you talk- for yourself. Hey, what are you talking about? That's what it says. I mean that that was the original vision of starscream for him to be the smartest Transformer.
1: For okay. the record, Soundwave isn't really hated. I kind of like the guy. He's got that voice that sounds like you know uh Lenny Kravitz, mm-hmm. you know, or something. But yeah, Rumble is small and tough. Oh God, Rumble when he transforms from a spy cassette into the demolition robot he transmits low frequency ground waves to create powerful earthquakes i thought he kind of like just uses those pounder things he's got on his arms like like, that's what i usually see him doing low
3: frequency he just (laughs) smacks the ground really hard Uh
0: yeah yeah (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, I guess there's some waves coming out of there, but He's I got see a lot of... got punch the
0: ground yeah, to create the waves, <laughs> but then also punch the ground.
1: A lot of jackhammering. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ravage. No, um, not Ravage Cassette this time, but just Ravage likes to operate alone and is the craftiest of all the Decepticons. Oh, really? Even Star he trans- He transforms from a spy cassette to a saboteur robot. He's very good at hiding himself in the shadows of the night and can walk around without making a sound. Um, Possibly because he's a cat, right? (laughs) A cat robot? But, yeah. To say he's the craftiest of all Decepticons. um, Oh, okay. Yeah. He's Mm kind of like a dumb animal in the story. almost. And then Um, you turn the
0: page and you just get the Transformers Autobots lightning strike with a little picture of Laserbeak that I'm sure will be recycled somewhere later in the story. So let's look for this copied Laserbeak as we read along.
1: Laserbeak. So smart. (laughs) Laserbeak.
0: (laughs) The Transformers mini hardcover book slash audio cassette. So now I'm just going to play so we can listen to the first few pages.
4: Once long ago, a race of robot beings called Autobots were forced to wage war against another race of robots called Decepticons to bring peace back to their home planet of Cybertron. As the war went on, chance brought both sides to Earth. They crashed so violently on landing that all the robots lay in the Earth's crust, seemingly without life, for over four million years. Suddenly, the energy set in motion by a powerful volcanic eruption gives them life once more. And the war starts all over again, here on Earth. The Autobots have to defend themselves. They have to protect this planet of Earth with all its valuable resources and the people who live here. And they must also build a new spaceship if they are to get back to Cybertron. The Transformers. Autobots' lightning strike. Spike, the young engineer and friend of the Autobots, sat on a rock in the warm sunshine writing up his diary. The air was fresh after the storm which had raged during the night. The rain had fallen in torrents. The thunder had boomed and crashed. And the lightning had lit the innermost parts of the Autobot base. It was strange, wrote Spike. The Autobots thought that they were being attacked by the Decepticons.
5: They rushed to action stations. Optimus Prime and Jazz were ready to repel an attack... When the storm passed on, it seems that thunder and lightning are unknown on their planet of Cybertron. It must be a very strange world.
4: Spike put the diary in his pocket and made his way back to the base. As he drew near, a giant gleaming figure came towards him. It was Optimus Prime, the Autobot leader. He looked down at Spike.
5: This is a very strange world, this Earth of yours,
4: he said. Spike grinned. Funny, he said.
5: I was just thinking something
4: like that myself. Other Autobots came out into the open. Hound pointed to a steep rock face some distance away.
5: Look at that mountain. It didn't look like that yesterday. Half of it's gone,
4: cried Jazz. It must have been struck by lightning, said Spike. You mean those bright lights, said Sunstreaker.
5: Whatever it was, it must have been powerful,
4: replied Sideswipe. Spike's father
5: joined them. Lightning is dangerous stuff, he said. I've seen it wreck buildings,
4: fell trees, sink oil rigs. Even a small bolt of lightning can pack a hefty punch. Optimus Prime looked thoughtful. The Autobots were desperate to find a source of energy so that they could rebuild their spacecraft and return to Cybertron. Could the answer lie in this thing called lightning? <laughs> so what do you think of it?
1: No, we've already tried.
4: <laughs> uh-
0: so that, that intro we heard at the beginning is not actually in the book anywhere about how they came to earth, but the guy seemed just so bored telling the origin and, and then, well, that's because he told it before on the previous cassette.
3: <laughs> so I that, think that that's probably used on
1: all the cassettes. Yeah. It's like I filler, think that was just some like- <laughs>
3: intro audio that they use every single time. Yeah,
0: It's funny because this is
1: this book. This is the first
0: book in the 11 book series of these books, but it's clearly the same audio cassette we've already listened to that they already put out, because the music matches the other two we listened to.
1: <laughs> it's a good track, though. I like the music, but...
0: <laughs> I like how it's kind of funny. Optimus just sounds like a... Uh, like, they're not even trying to copy him at this point. They're just like, let's get a voice that sounds like, you know, some kind of leader, done. And also, what is with Hound? Just like going, beep, dee, beep, boop, 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 boop. I was like, what are you, r 2 d he's just pointing at the the mountain yeah the voice the
3: voices in this are really bad they don't make any sense optimus just sounds like a dude and then the hound stuff like they are really just playing up the robot stuff yeah
1: yeah nothing really sounds like the characters but i'm okay with the voices they're they're just i guess they're generic per se they're not why
0: is Sunstreaker here he got dialogue and yet gears was introduced in the beginning come on
1: terrible picture of hound though what is that where he's pointing it looks like he's well his arm looks like it has part of a piano on it like exactly a, yep and, <laughs> and the head is like not really a head but it's like a i I don't know it's it's just too elongated like the drawing yeah. the perspective like drawing is really screwed up what's up with that
0: like how is his head supposed to turn like his chin is like glued to the <gasps> bottom of his shoulders also the autobots <laughs> are only twice the length of a human instead of like four times the length of a human yeah. do you see that picture there like Sparkplug's head goes right up to um the grill on optimus prime so optimus is only twice the the height of a human
1: Honestly, that would make more sense so they could actually communicate and talk, you know. But yeah, I'm I'm overall confused about the transformer size anyway, since it seems to (laughs) to change so much. (laughs) Like, but that would be a a better communication size, just being Mm -hmm. something you could look up at, but not you know really hurt your neck and have to scream at because it's too far away. (laughs) I I really
0: like this one (laughs) sense though, where it's like it was Optimus Prime. He looked down on Spike, <laughs> like it almost seemed like he's like yeah. he looked down on him for being a, a weak human. <laughs> weak <Weep> Earthling. <laughs> I,
3: I I love every species, even Earthlings. <laughs> <laughs> even
0: Earthlings.
1: I like the amount of empathy Spike has for the Autobots. He wasn't just like wow, these guys are idiots. They're afraid of lightning, and they think it's the Decepticons. How are they going to get by on Earth? (laughs) He's all nice. I wonder why
0: this was dropped throughout the series, because Spike is writing in his journal, which he did during the original three episodes, that was the miniseries, Uh but then they never picked up with that again during the course of the series. Like, he thought that was going to be like a story thing, where sometimes Spike would just write in his journal, but nope. Never came back after the third
1: episode. Spike got all of his issues out, so he didn't need the journal anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, either that or maybe he's just, uh, maybe this is all a story in his journal. And at the very end of Transformers, they were supposed to make an episode showing him, like, you know, finishing up and closing the journal, but they forgot.
0: <laughs> no, I'm just imagining a final episode. It's like old Spike. The last episode is him being like, this is how they finally saved our planet from the Decepticons uh
5: yeah
3: it sounds like i guess i got i guess the correct thing that the tables have turned and instead the autobots are going to try to harvest
4: some energy instead let's see where this development goes tell me all you know about lightning said optimus prime spike's father picked up a piece of twig and drew diagrams in the earth as he spoke lightning is really electricity he said We
5: have electricity on Cybertron, said Optimus Prime. But it does not fall from the sky and destroy things. We generate it in power stations. It drives our machines. We also do that here on Earth, said Spike's father. But there is no way to control something as powerful as lightning. A single lightning flash is about a thousand megavolts. Perhaps Earth technology cannot handle such forces, said Optimus Prime. On Cybertron, we learn to deal with power you cannot even begin to imagine. This is a chance we cannot afford to miss. The Autobots must be prepared before the next storm. Tell Huffer I must speak to him.
4: As usual, Huffer complained. Lightning, he muttered.
5: Catch it? You want it put in a cage, I suppose? If you think that's best, then do it by all means, said Optimus Prime. Just as long as it's ready before the next
4: thunderstorm. For the next week, Huffer was hardly to be seen. He transformed into his truck disguise and went off on loan searches for materials. Once he returned to base to borrow some tools from Ratchet.
5: Lightning, energy
4: converters, he complained to Ratchet.
5: None of this nonsense on Cybertron. If I was back there now...
4: Another time, Huffer asked Gears to help him to lift some heavy components. Although Gears complained, he did help, but each of them pretended to be more miserable than the other. Huffer worked hard on the project, and finally it was finished. He rolled in one day and spoke to Optimus Prime. I suppose
5: you'll want to see it, he said. Don't suppose I'll get any thanks. Just a worn clutch and a slow puncture.
4: Huffer escorted his leader to a distant mountain. He pointed ahead. Optimus Prime could see nothing unusual. Where is it? he asked. Huffer activated a control on his chest plate, and from the top of the mountain there rose a slender lattice of gleaming metal. Slowly, it rose up and stood with its top, partly hidden by drifting clouds.
5: According to the Earth people, lightning most often strikes tall objects, said Hopper. There is your lightning collector. It's the tallest thing for hundreds of kilometers. How do we extract the power from the lightning, asked Optimus Prime. Under the mountain, said Hopper, is a cavern. There I have built the energy converter. We will have a test run during the next thunderstorm. Let's hope that the Decepticons do not find out, said
4: Optimus Prime. But as he spoke, a winged messenger was already on its way back to Decepticon headquarters. It was Laserbeak, carrying news of the latest Autobot activity back to Megatron, leader of the Decepticons.
1: (laughs) I just... So... So many things wrong. I'm
0: just like, I can't. Is this the first time that we've ever seen Gears and Huffer like do something together? Because I can't imagine them getting along at all. The picture's just really funny of Huffer jumping and transforming into a truck, (laughs) though they don't look anything like their actual animated counterparts, so they must be drawn from the figures.
1: I didn't realize he was transforming. You know what I thought that was? Because they were talking about hauling junk around. Because they have a pile of junk in the next picture. I thought he's just throwing shit onto a truck. <laughs> okay, yeah,
0: That's, they're they're using like the white space in between to be like, this is how he changed in the transition, and now this is Harry is now.
2: <laughs> okay,
1: Because it look like okay? I just throw this piece of old truck. It looks like bones or something. <laughs> to the... uh, yeah, it looks terrible,
3: actually. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then in the next picture, it looks like they have really like just. Just, just, it looks like piles of garbage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not even, not even robot parts. It's just like they might as well have drawn a couple of flies around it. Like, yeah, this stuff came straight out of the trash.
0: <laughs> Optimus was like, "We generate drives our machines." I was like, "What do you mean your machines? You are machines. Would you can do you consider yourselves just <laughs> machines? Or are you talking about non-transformer machines? Are powered by?" Electricity. I mean, I guess they also make their own machines. So, but do they? I don't know.
1: Optimus seems so evil. in this Yeah, they
0: like only. In the, <laughs> I was like, I was thinking that too because only evil people usually say, "You cannot comprehend the power. You can imagine the power that we deal with, lowly human."
1: <laughs> and then isolate themselves to work on something <laughs> and use the others as slaves.
0: And, and I like how. Yeah, Huffer's like, let me show you, as if they didn't notice a giant metal tower in the distance being constructed over the course of a week. <laughs> it's just like, it just, like he's just like, I'm going to show you this now. It's like, you clearly must have been seeing it this whole time, but yeah.
1: I figured, you know, they just stood it up, like it was laying down and slowly uh, lifted it up and then I don't know. <laughs> I I was I was rationalizing that <laughs> just the same in my mind. I'm like eh, it probably took him a
4: while.
0: But Thomas, you got anything, or you want to continue on with the story? Continue on. All
4: right, here we go. Megatron studied Laserbeak's report. He sent for Soundwave.
2: What does it sound like to you? He asked. It must be a radio mast of some sort,
4: said Soundwave.
5: From its size and location, it must have great range, both for sending
4: and
2: receiving. Who are the Autobots sending messages to? Who
4: asked Starscream angrily.
2: Perhaps there are other Autobots we know nothing about. We must destroy this thing before it is too late. Now! I make the decisions,
4: snapped Megatron.
2: Sound wave, laser beat will lead you to the place. Keep a listening watch. This creation of theirs may be very useful to us. I still say that we should destroy it, said Starscream. If I were leader, the last Autobot would have long since been reduced to a handful of rusting nuts and bolts.
4: Guided by Laserbeak, Soundwave went swiftly to the Lonely Mountain. He stood on a nearby hill.
5: Where is it? he asked. Where is the tall metal radio mast? I see nothing. Nothing
4: top of the mountain was bare. Laserbeak flew up and circled in the sky above the peak. There was nothing to be seen. Soundwave was about to leave the hilltop when his audio sensors caught a faint signal. It sounded like running machinery and it seemed to come from somewhere under the ground. Laserbeak gave a sudden screech. There was movement on the mountain peak. Something rose slowly from among the rocks. As Soundwave watched... Huffer's lightning collector rose into the sky until its top was lost in the haze. Deep in the underground chamber, Huffer made some adjustments as he tested the machine, unaware that he was being spied upon. For hours, Soundwave remained on the hilltop. He tuned his audio sensors to their finest pitch. He tried every frequency, but there was not a whisper of a radio signal. There was nothing coming from the mass at all. No radio, no infrared, no ultraviolet. Whatever system the Autobots had devised, it was quite undetectable, even to an expert like Soundwave. Megatron must be told of this without delay. Soundwave made all speed back to Decepticon headquarters.
2: Destroy it! And the Autobots with it!
4: shrieked Starscream when he heard Soundwave's news. Megatron looked thoughtful.
2: This technology is beyond even our wildest dreams. If we can learn its secrets... We will have a powerful weapon. Laserbeak, you will return and keep watch on the Autobots while I make my plans.
4: Megatron did not notice Starscream whisper to rumble and slip away from the rest of the group. Not knowing that they were being watched, the Autobots made the final preparations for the first test of the lightning energy converter. Powerful cables were led from the base of the mast, deep into the mountain, and then connected to the equipment in the chamber. Gears muttered to himself, and to anyone else who would listen, that the whole thing was ridiculous. What if there isn't another storm? He said. What if there's no more lightning? There will be a thunderstorm sooner or later, said Spike's father. We have to wait. Okay, we wait, said Gears.
5: We've only been on this earth of yours for four million years, so let's wait. We can pick up weather reports from the radio," said Spike. "They'll tell us when a storm is due."
4: "Cheer up, gears," said Blue Streak. "If
5: there isn't a storm, we can fly a flag on Huffer's mast."
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh no. That was. I, oh, why man. does you still think voices. the voices are good? You still think <laughs> did good they, did they mix up Starscream and Megatron. Yes. that's what it seems. I like. thought. Yeah, that's, that's what why I to thought too. too. I
3: thought. Starscream's voice sounds more like a Megatron Megatron sounds like a weasel
0: Megatron sounds like (laughs) Starscream
1: yeah exactly
0: he's the for some reason Megatron sounds closer to animation Starscream than anyone else here sounding like them I almost feel like someone's just clamping metal up and down to imitate Soundwave's faceplate as he talks so every time Soundwave talks you hear a crunch, crunch, crunch 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 and I'm like Wow, that would be really annoying in real life. <laughs> it was like,
3: yeah, <laughs> I I did notice something in the background happening there. I yeah, I couldn't really tell. I was like, are they trying to
0: just make him sound a little bit more robotic or something?
1: Jeez.
0: And that was a mistake. I think Starscream talked when that should have been Megatron's line, where it said, "What does it sound like to you?" Because we don't hear Megatron until he says, "I make the decisions."
1: Yeah. <laughs> At this point, anything goes. So Yeah,
0: I think they either, or they forgot to modulate Megatron's voice for that first sentence. But the art is kind of funny.
3: Yeah, speaking of anything goes,
0: I mean. Here's where you can tell there's two artists because on page 14, Soundwave has a purple face and a purple icon. And then when you go to the next page, Soundwave is now blue instead of purple. And and even his Decepticon symbol is now blue instead of purple. And he
3: has a different shaped head as
0: well. But he has this really cool gun with a giant like missile launcher in it though, and he's all blocky and everything. Megatron's also blocky like the action figure. And why does so- Starscream look like he's wearing shades? <laughs> in both pictures, <laughs> he's got rounded shades and then later he's got these like these visor shades that even Rumble is wearing these visor shades even though Rumble's also like as high as Starscream. So, but the artist is kind of funny like you can tell they're just trying to imitate a style they're either going off of the action figures or they're going off the art from the action figure box and since they only have one image to work with that's what they're going with
3: i do appreciate all the extra detail on that shot of rumble and starscream though yeah it doesn't look it doesn't look like complete garbage. It does look like somebody who has some skill.
1: I'm upset that it differs from the other page though. Because yeah. <laughs> if I was a kid, I'd be like really confused about who is who. They don't look like the same characters, you know.
0: <laughs> and what's funny is That's weird. they don't have they clearly don't have the art for the first for the animated show, but it seems like they got the script for the first three episodes. Because of the way Spike's doing his thing. You got traitorous Starscream. All of this stuff looks like if they didn't have access to the art, they at least had access to like the first few episodes or a few of the scripts from the series to kind of know how the characters would act. So nobody's really acting out of character.
1: It seems like they would have got the voices right if someone actually watched the <laughs> the series. <laughs> yeah, but hey, you know,
0: this is probably just a low... Like we don't know what how big the company is.
1: Like, Dave, you sound more like Starscream. We'll have you do Starscream and we'll switch you guys around. Uh, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do like, there's this little picture of Huffer down underground with some control switch. I was like, you're the Autobots. Why did you put yeah. a death skull on your master control arcade machine or whatever the heck that is.
1: It does look like an arcade machine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it also, the way the, the buttons are, kind of makes it flip inward and concave and outward like when I try to look at it, it's hard for me to process
1: <laughs> there's buttons on the other side of it on the back of it it's like a two, two man console or mm-hmm. something
4: Laserbeak watched the Autobots from high in the sky he flew close to the top of the metal mast he perched on the swaying structure while his sensors recorded all its details as darkness fell the bird-like robot spiraled down the height of the mast he was watching the activity on the ground And suddenly, he spotted something new. There was an opening in the foot of the mountain. Autobots were coming out. So were the two Earthmen who had befriended them. Laserbeak stayed perched on the struts of the mast. Unseen in the dusk, he watched the Autobots transform at Optimus Prime's command. Spike and his father climbed into Hopper's cab. Then, in a blaze of headlights, the Autobots swept in a long line round the foot of the mountain and back towards their base. Beak arrived at the Decepticon headquarters, transforming to his other disguise as an audio cassette. Soundwave slotted the cassette into his playback system, and the Decepticons listened to the description of all that Laserbeak had observed. The steel mast was still a mystery, but now it appeared that the Autobots had made something which was hidden inside the mountain.
2: I must know what is so important that they have buried it
4: said Megatron.
2: I cannot tolerate those creatures knowing something that I do not. We will tear
4: their secret from them. He called for Starscream, but Frenzy said that he'd seen him go off with rumble. Megatron roared with rage.
2: A mindless vandal! I can guess what he's planning! He cried. We must stop him immediately! Decepticons! Scramble! Scramble!
4: The entire Decepticon force rose into the air and raced at top speed to stop Starstream before he destroyed the autobots and their secret. Spike stood by the radio, trying to tune into a local station to catch the weather forecast. The sky
5: is clouding over,
4: he said. I shouldn't be surprised if there was another storm soon. He turned the dial again, and there were a few bars of music. The music stopped, and a man's voice spoke.
2: Here is the local weather outlook for the next 24 hours... Temperatures will stay the same, but a moist, warm air stream from the west will move in later with a strong possibility of thunderstorms over the mountains.
4: This is it, cried Spike. A storm coming up. What a planet, muttered Gears. There's going to be a storm, so that's good. If Huffer's equipment is ready, said Optimus Prime, let's not waste time. Autobots, transform! In a moment... The Autobots, with Spike and his father and Hopper's cab, were making their way to the mountain and the lightning energy converter. Storm clouds were already gathering as the Autobots reached the mountain. A few spots of rain fell.
2: At least we'll be undercover in the chamber under the mountain,
4: said Jazz.
5: I wouldn't advise
4: that, said Hopper.
5: We know nothing about this lightning thing. I intend to conduct this test from as far away as possible.
4: There's an overhanging cliff over there, said Optimus Prime.
5: We'll be out of the storm, but still able to see
4: the mountain. Taking up their positions, the Autobots watched as Huffer activated the control on his chest panel. Slowly, the slender mast of the lightning collector rose from the top of the mountain. The clouds began to swirl around the lattice as the first rumbles of the storm sounded in the distance. In the gathering gloom, no one noticed Starscream and Rumble as they slipped into the entrance to the underground chamber.
0: Okay, Gears, do you have, like, short-term memory loss? <laughs> like, like, you were just there earlier, like, he's like, oh, we've got to wait for a thunderstorm. And then later, he's like, well, what good is a thunderstorm?
1: He was a true empirical scientist at the beginning. He's he just like, well, just because there were a thunderstorm yesterday, and we've been here for four million years doesn't mean there's necessarily going to be one tomorrow. Where's your proof? Yeah,
0: he's like, all <laughs> the thunder's gone now. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs>
1: there's nothing that says there's going to be another thunderstorm.
0: <laughs> I almost thought that the tape was messing up, but it was really just them imitating him turning a radio and getting lots of static and other stations. Oh, okay. I was like, oh God, what's happening? What's happening to the audio file? And then all of a sudden, oh wait, it's just, just the radio.
1: <laughs> Oh, I knew that was, like, just radio sounds. That's how it used to sound back in the day. Yeah. I had a Smurf radio that sounded like that. It it never really picked up much of anything.
3: Did you guys appreciate the cameos? What cameos? We had a cameo, one for the Autobots and one for the Decepticons. Blue Streak? Blue Streak and Frenzy. They were not mentioned in the character lineup at the beginning.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, he actually mentioned Frenzy?
3: frenzy uh i guess he's the one who told them that uh oh yeah
0: it's great rumble
3: and the starscream were gone
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's funny
0: (laughs) if you go back the first page we listened to you see gears and he's like got no mouth all he's got is shades with like a faceplate inside his body and like he doesn't have any eyes or anything he's just so weird looking (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he looked bad.
3: He looked weird in the previous one too, where he's hanging out with um with Huffer. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> Huffer yeah. carrying the that scrap.
0: He has no head. It's just built into his body. Yeah, where he was also colored differently too.
1: Gears doesn't look that great to begin with, but mm-hmm. yeah, what is? Why do they always make his head so mechanical? You can't really tell that. Well, it's that's a, because it's remember boss. he's
0: from a different action figure line, so he's not designed like the other Autobots.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this drawing from the action figure thing. Yeah,
0: I like how Blue Streak is just smiling so menacingly
3: over there. Yes, that thing—it's like some Joker grin almost, <laughs> man. This is crazy. He, and he's got a giant chin, like, like a human does. It's weird and he a looks nose. Like a yeah.
1: Captain Falcon from F Zero. <laughs> yeah, I do like the
0: the plot though, where the, the Decepticons just can't figure out what the Autobots are doing. <laughs> It's just really funny. They're like, "Hmm, it's not a radio tower. What could this thing be?" And they just got to try to figure it out and do like actual work and investigate stuff. I mean, that's literally what the Autobots do half the time.
3: Yeah. Oh, those Decepticons are messing around. Don't even give them a chance. It's like we got to go destroy them. We got
0: to go find out what's going this on. This time the plot's reversed. The one page is kind of funny when uh, when um, Soundwave is catching Laserbeak. I kind of can see the picture both ways. Like he's holding the tape in his hands, but it also looks like, if you look at it another way, he could be pushing his hands through the tape and gripping through Laserbeak. The way the hand looks, it's kind of weird. Speaking of weird, just look at little baby Megatron there flying next to Soundwave. Baby. Megatron. Baby Megatron. Just the way he's drawn is so funny. looking. it looks like a. Yeah.
1: I think he's supposed to be in the distance, but yeah, that that doesn't look like it.
0: All right, so. Let's go to the next four pages to see what happens now that Starscream has arrived.
4: Starscream stopped in the center of the chamber and looked about him. The walls and roof were bare rock. The floor was paved with smooth plastic sheeting. And in the center of the floor rose a mighty piece of machinery. Starscream walked all around it. From each corner of a head-high stone base, there rose a smooth silver column. Each column supported a silver sphere. Between the columns was a complicated mass of insulators and cables. Nothing moved. It was silent. Rumble grew impatient. I thought we were going to smash this, he said. Two low-frequency jolts, and it'll be just another heap of junk. It's not doing anything, said Starscream.
5: It doesn't work! And that rundown museum piece we have for a
2: leader thought it was a secret radio system.
4: Starscream roared with laughter. (laughs) But even as his laughter echoed around the rocky chamber, a voice rang out. Megatron strode across the chamber, his fusion cannon aimed steadily at Starscream.
2: Traitor! He roared. Saboteur! Against my orders, you would destroy this machine. And I am a run-down museum piece, am I? I sought only to serve you and the Decepticon cause,
4: said Starscream, groveling before Megatron.
2: The Autobots want to destroy us! This fiendish device will harm us! But it does nothing! You said so yourself,
4: cried Megatron.
2: They have extended their aerial. We saw that as we arrived. No doubt, at this very moment, they are preparing to send or receive a signal. If they have friends, or if there are other Autobots on this planet, I want to know. Then we shall crush them all.
4: From the shelter of the cliff, the Autobots peered up at the mast as the storm passed overhead. Lightning flashed among the storm clouds. It glared blue and white among the dark clouds. The light made bright reflections on the metal lattice of Huffer's mast.
2: Very pretty, I'm sure,
4: said Jazz.
2: When is it going to do something useful, like making that contraption work inside the mountain? Contraption? cried Huffer. If your head had more in it than loose nuts and bolts, you wouldn't say
5: things like that. My lightning energy converter is not a contraption. Just
4: be patient. Wait. Be patient. You sound more like an Earthman every day said Gears. If I didn't... Wow, what was that? With an ear-splitting crash, a jagged fork of lightning crackled out of the clouds and hit the tip of the mast. It was followed by another. And another. In a swift ripple of blue fire, the lightning ran down the mast and into the mountain.
0: So, why does jazz sound like Ironhide? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he does sound like Ironhide. He <laughs> just gave him a southern accent. Like, okay, we don't have any black guys. Yeah, we just do, do what you can. Yeah,
0: it even sounds like the we way do. he talks would be how Ironhide talks, too, instead of jazz. But yeah. yeah. Did you enjoy your uh, Starscream, Thomas, trying to do something and then failing again, like he always does? How did he fail? He never did. Oh, exactly. <laughs> just, just like his He career, went there like, to investigate. Just like his career. Oh, come on. Yeah, he didn't. He just went there and didn't do anything. As Megatron caught him before he could do anything. I like how the backgrounds are done, though, in a lot of these shots. Like, the one with just the silhouette of Laserbeak when he's perched on the metal thing. I'm just like, that one's a cool background. But I'm also worried that he was going to get struck by lightning and destroyed. Because <laughs> they don't know what it's used for. <laughs> So later you'll just see Laserbeak's smoldering corpse because he was chilling up there trying to figure out what was going on. But I'm also waiting for all the Decepticons to get electrocuted out in there because the Autobots left because they were worried about what would happen. Uh, any comments on those, Charlie or Thomas?
1: My no. lightning energy converter is not a contraption. It's just be patient.
0: <laughs> Thomas, you? No. Okay. All right.
4: So let's finish the end of the story. Inside the mountain, Rumble was trying to hide himself away from Megatron's fury when a great surge of power knocked the Decepticons flying in all directions. There was a roaring in the air. Metal bodies clanged and clattered as they fell, and from the machine in the center of the chamber... There was a splutter and crackle as the energy converter took the lightning charge. The chamber was now lit by blue and white light from the machine. The electricity arced and crackled, and the silver spheres glowed with power. Slowly, the Decepticons struggled to their feet.
2: It does nothing. It doesn't work,
4: roared Megatron. Starscream cringed silently in the shadows.
2: What are they saying? What message are they transmitting?
4: Megatron shouted to Soundwave above the noise. Soundwave adjusted his controls.
5: I can't tell, he said. Something has happened to my audio radio sensor. It's malfunctioning. I get nothing but static.
4: As he spoke, there was a loud hiss and the crack. A long blue arc of electricity shot from the machine and struck the rocky roof of the chamber. The electricity ran across the roof, then down the walls. They glowed and flicker, a light. Skywarp put out a hand to touch one wall. Next moment, he had been hurled in a shower of sparks across the chamber. Skywarp lay on the floor, still giving off sparks. He tried to rise, but instead he began to transform. The transformation stopped halfway. Then with another shower of sparks, he returned to his plane disguise. Major malfunction to report, he said. But the others weren't listening. Their eyes were on Starscream.
2: If this machine can be started, then it can also be stopped,
4: he shouted. He aimed the null ray projector at one of the silver spheres and fired. As the ray hit the sphere, the electricity ran back down it to Starscream. He was sent sprawling across the floor. The null ray projector was scorched and buckled. It was useless.
2: It's an Autobot trap!
4: cried Megatron. Retreat! Megatron led the way to the chamber entrance. The air now seemed alive with electrical energy. It arced and sparked from the walls and onto the metal bodies of the Decepticons. Control systems and sensors malfunctioned. Wiring began to burn up. Fuses blew. A cassette shot from Soundwave's chest pack and transformed into Ravage. The mechanical hound, with all his systems malfunctioning, gave a snarl. Then it hurled itself in a savage attack on Megatron, its own leader. Megatron hit out with his metal fist, and Ravage was thrown to the floor in a shower of sparks. Soundwave grabbed the creature and dragged it towards the entrance. But the electricity had been too quick for the stumbling Decepticons. As they reached the rocky arch, which led to the open air, a flickering light shot across the opening, forming a curtain of electrical energy. As the retreating Decepticons battled through, creaking and spluttering, they were spotted by the Autobots. Through the rain, which was now pouring down, the Autobots looked in amazement at their scorched and battered enemies. Where did they come from? said Optimus Prime. Hound watched the Decepticons as they made their way into the open. The rain hissed on a hot metal. After they had gone, a train of smoke hung in the air.
5: I thought that I picked up their signals when they first arrived, said Hound. But I wasn't sure. It seemed that they thought our energy collector was a radio transmitter. They were trying to discover its
2: secrets. Well, they certainly got the message,
4: said Jazz. Huffer pressed the controls on his chest plate. The mast disappeared into the mountain. Then he went inside to inspect the energy converter.
5: It's a bit bent in places, he said when he rejoined the others. And I haven't got it quite right. It needs some more work on it.
4: As they prepared to leave, Optimus Prime looked across at the mountain. The storm had passed and the moon shone in a clear sky. Energy from the sky will help us to return to our own world, he
5: said. It will also be our gift to the people of Earth after we have gone.
0: Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention how I like the middle of the book, where it just, or well, you have to flip the cassette over, how it has just the theme song, but done in a really different way.
3: <laughs> yeah, that was, that was interesting. Flip the tape over music.
1: Yeah. There wasn't the cues that normally these book and tape things have between pages or anything. It's just like, hey, keep up with this. And then here's the music. <laughs>
0: I really like this story, how it ended, because it's just like, <laughs> The Decepticons are so clueless, and they get defeated because they don't know what's happening. And the Autobots don't even have to fight at all. Yeah, they defeated themselves.
1: <laughs> Autobots seem to not even know they were there exactly. Well, negligent Hound
0: end. knew they were there.
1: Yeah, he just didn't tell. Yeah, anybody. he
0: was just like forgetting <laughs> his job. He's like, "Oh, I heard their signals saying that they were looking at our transmitter, but I thought, well, they were looking at it. They, that doesn't mean they were here, right?" <laughs> <laughs> That was ridiculous. I don't even know I, Optimus should have said something to him. <laughs> Backslapped him like you fool. Smack, I expect a report next time.
1: There was um what's his name? Who who was throwing a Mirage under the bus last time?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh the guy oh I I can't was remember was
1: Ironhide who kept thinking he was a traitor? No, he's yeah. not a red guy. Uh, um yeah, I can't remember who it was. Sides it just was it was Sideswipe? paranoia mode.
0: <laughs> no, I think it was, I, I think it was, I was Cliffjumper. Cliffjumper is the one who kept accusing Cliff Jumper,
1: that's what, yeah. yeah, of course it was Oh, yeah. How could we not remember that?
0: <laughs> How could you not remember that?
1: Where's Jumper at that moment to throw him under the bus? It's yeah.
0: <laughs> like, you're a traitor, you didn't report to us, I'm going to push you off this
1: mountain. Well, Hound got a signal just yesterday, but he decided not to tell anybody.
0: yeah i like how he says i thought i picked it up but i did hear them talk so like what do you mean you thought i do like how at the end even optimus is not even thinking just about himself and he's like oh yeah once we leave we'll also leave this giant free energy source for the humans once we leave too i'm like uh there we go optimus just being his usual self at the end too gotta think about everyone as a whole instead of just yourself
1: explanation really it was just like okay we just assume okay it, he, he's leaving energy but gif could just be a freaking burnt lightning rod and a bunch of crap under the mountain
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though it doesn't end with their victory they're like they didn't get enough energy they were just like well it'll work in the future i just gotta fix it it doesn't actually say they actually got any energy from this he just says, well, it's bent, it's not quite right, needs some more work. He didn't say that they got a little bit of energy. He didn't even say they got no energy. So I'm just assuming it didn't work at all, but it was close. <laughs> just like how Starscream always gets close, but doesn't succeed. <laughs> Sorry, Thomas.
3: I mean, well, he's not the only one. Everybody has those same issues. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, you just have to
0: do the same plan again. Just tweak it a little bit. The whole description is just, Skywarp gets thrown around. Starscream gets Another thrown thing, around, yeah. and you hear all those metal grinders go kabang, bang, 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 when he gets thrown into the wall. And it's just like, Ravage <laughs> attacks Megatron. They're all just getting defeated by electricity or random stuff.
1: I, was that Ravage's only appearance in the story? They described him at the beginning? <laughs> yeah. Like he had a description, but... And then, then they described him as a hound. Would, would we describe him as a hound? Or is he actually a cat? He doesn't look like a no,
0: hound. he's supposed to be a cat.
1: Yeah, they they said yeah, mechanical, the mechanical hound. hound. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then he was, he was an animal. They talked about how intelligent he was at the beginning and cunning, And now it's like, OK, nice an animal again. He hurled himself in a savage attack on Megatron. And Megatron actually it's looks old leader. Megatron
0: actually looks scared. If you look at the images, he's like oh, my <laughs> yeah. follower. Why would you attack me?
1: Because he's a mechanical cat and not exactly a mechanical humanoid robot. And it's robot a cat with a has, mom yes, bomb strapped like to
0: it. Yes, that Vonnis is so ridiculous. And awesome. Has
1: reason and logic and and not cat-like thoughts.
0: <laughs> the art is actually pretty decent. It's not that bad. Even if it, it's just funny because you look at Megatron and he's got this fully deformed human face with nose and chin, and then you look at Optimus and he's just got a faceplate. With these giant, yeah. long, rectangle eyes.
1: At the end, that, that picture doesn't really... It just doesn't show the splendor of Optimus Prime.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, for some reason, the, uh, the back of the book is not scanned here, so I don't know if it actually had a summary or showed anything on the back here, too.
1: And there's a god awful picture of Hound again, which must be from an action figure right next to Optimus's picture. It's, it's really blocky again.
0: Yeah, he's got a nose and a I chin. I guess
1: this is what it looked like. He's got a nose and
0: a chin, <laughs> but he's also wearing shades like Starscream.
1: It, it's just like his head on a Jeep body. And it's, but it's just. And so you can just yeah.
0: take your thumb and pop his head right into the Jeep. Boom. Problem solved. <laughs> now you don't have to transform something. He's got to pop it in and out.
1: He just doesn't look like he's, he's so blocky and so square. <laughs> he does have the, um, you know, the fully rendered look of the other guys. <laughs>
0: oh, and I guess Rumble was safe because he tried to hide from Megatron, so he didn't end up getting shocked by the electricity, right? <laughs> and even while it's happening, they're like, quick, what are they transmitting? And then he's like, it's a trap. Run away. What do you think of the story as a whole, Thomas? Eh, uh, it was okay. It was fine. I mean, I guess
3: I I, I do think it was kind of interesting to see that it was the Autobots this time that were coming up with some weird energy harvesting scheme.
1: But it was so harmless to humans because humans aren't using lightning for anything. It's it's totally harmless. To <laughs> They're them.
0: not breaking into a power plant.
1: To to still... Take take free lightning <laughs> and like channel it down to Earth and blow things up with it. That's fine. <laughs>
3: yeah they did it the right way unlike the decepticons
1: yeah the Decepticons will just you know tap into the human power grid and just suck that dry
0: terrorize (laughs) people rip open a building did you like the story charlie
1: uh what did i feel about the story i I, something about it is kind of typical like that whole format of um them arbitrarily defeating their enemies it just seems like a kind of a scooby-doo plot line
0: <laughs> well it's its funny because that never happens in the show i don't think they ever just defeat themselves whereas the autobots did absolutely nothing it's just so funny because it's not something like typically i've seen in the show so did you like it okay ambivalent or still
1: oh uh yeah i think it's reasonable for a kid's book i guess like it's just uh I just remember a lot of stories like that as a kid. Like, that was pretty typical.
3: How are the voices in those stories? Were they were they just as bad?
1: <laughs> they, they don't always match up to the TV characters. I had a lot of books on tape as a kid. I like when they throw a little bit of music from the series in there. Ewoks Adventure and all those. Yeah, I just
0: remember having the He-Man and the DuckTales one, and they actually used... They weren't original stories. They were just the episode in audio cassette, so it was all the same voices.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. The ones I've always had, they have recognizable traits of the series, but the voices could be a little off. The story could be like, the story has to have a happy ending. You just gotta wrap it up quickly. (laughs) So it's not quite like stories you see on the cartoons, exactly. Yeah. Um, I always expected it to be, like, something they could resolve rather fast.
0: (laughs) Transformers 1 audio cassettes that we've gone over before. I think that was it. All I remember is those three tapes. He-Man, Shira movie, DuckTales. And then I also remember having Return of the Jedi on record, but that was just the movie narrated on a record.
1: I think I had, like, about maybe 15 of these things at least. Wow. I had a stack of those things. Let's see, a lot of them were like those ones from Barney the Book Bear or something. I guess that was Golden Books or I can't remember which. um, Well, if
0: we still had my old computer before my last computer, it had the uh, AV inputs. You could have easily just hooked up your boombox to the computer and then I could have recorded the audio tape in real time. And all the scratchiness that comes with that audio cassette, perfectly preserved for all time as a digital file
1: oh yeah i used to my dad has like a lot of old equipment i've been meaning to do that like some things i actually did transfer to digital format before yeah but um, i just
0: i just miss like i did that a lot like you could also hook up your record player and do that but i never did that because i just like
1: you just have to pipe the audio in some way like just do an analog cord I, i made a cord that was um it was like a headset jack and then I just connected it to like, the record player, you know, in and out the white and red audio cable. Mm-hmm. And it worked just fine. But of course, you know, still the quality of the, the sound coming across is, yeah, it's analog, crunchy quality sometimes. You can fashion something to just, just ghetto rig it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Any final thought before we close out today? Nope.
1: Quite an enjoyable John. I love a book on tape.
0: I feel like I would pick this up in a used bookstore if I saw it. Not that I probably will because it was not published in America. So (laughs) Uh, thanks for listening to this audio cassette of Autobots Lightning Strike. Signing off, this is Sean. Charlie.
3: And Thomas.